The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. Today, I am joined by entrepreneur, author, public speaker, and passive income pioneer, who has established himself as the king of Airbnb, Brian Page. Brian is best known for being the creator of the BNB formula, which we'll get into. And anyone back home can implement this BNB formula. It's not like you have to have massive capital to do so. He's the world's number one best selling Airbnb coach program, which has 25,000 students in 47 countries around the world. Educating readers on how to create passive income revenue streams in today's world without having to take on multiple side jobs. So today we're going to discuss Brian's book, how he made money, when he lost every dollar, how he bounced back in his formula that can help you back at home. So Brian, thank you so much for coming on this episode of Trading Secrets. Thank you, Jason. Good to be here. It is good to have you. Well, we're going to get into your success story, but before we get into your success story, I want to talk about the crash, right? Right. You had a wild story where you're fired from every job, you come back, you build millions, and then you lose every penny. So I first want to ask you, how much money did you make? How much money did you lose? And how'd you lose it? <laughs> All right, let's start at the bottom. <laughs> this is what I call my richest rag story. I was not born rich. I was born actually into a very poor family. But but in my 20s, I decided that I wanted to become a millionaire. And so I started reading all the books and studying all the gurus. And early on, my influence was rich dad, poor dad. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to become a, a real estate investor. I started getting into buying properties and flipping properties. And by the age of 29, right before I turned 30, I became a millionaire. And I thought that I was brilliant because everything I bought went up in value. I didn't realize I was in the middle of a bubble, real estate bubble. And so shortly thereafter, lost everything. So lost millions of dollars in real estate and uh, owed $1.3 million to the IRS. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the definition of rock bottom. IRS is at your front door for $1.3 million. What do you do? What are your first steps to dig yourself out of that? I was a negative millionaire. Okay. So <laughs> I remember one point I was in my car. Well, I had my BMW repossessed by the bank. I bought a beater car. It was an $1,800 Buick LeSabre, 1982 Buick LeSabre. The headliner would droop and sit on my head. And I pulled up that car at, the, at a red light one time, looked over and there was a homeless guy next to me. And I thought, man, that guy is a million dollars richer than me. <laughs> really, I really hated him at that moment, which was a horrible way to look at it. But yeah, I, I got a letter from them, IRS. I had all my creditors after me and it was bad. I mean, you know, of course, at the time, everybody in real estate was was being crushed. But I remember I didn't do anything. I remember I just like gave up basically for a few years. I, I was like, you know, I'm done. Like, I'm not going to try anything ever again. I don't know what I'm going to do. But I was uh, I was kind of at the point where I, I just. I didn't know what was going to be next for me. So for a few years, I just kind of bounced around and I just kind of doing side hustles, <laughs> doing anything I could do to make money to kind of pay the bills. And it, frankly, it was finally a, a friend of mine that kind of got me back in. He's like, dude, you got to get back in the game. And yeah, so at that point, yeah. I decided I had to figure it out somehow. I don't know how, but I got to figure out a way to do it. And I had to find something big because there's no way I was going to dig, dig myself out of a hole that big without finding a big opportunity. Okay, so we're going to talk about how you dug yourself out of a $1.3 million hole with the IRS. Before we do that, I think there's some lessons in how you made that money that you lost. So yeah. can you give us a little bit more detail on exactly how you went from absolutely nothing to yeah. a multimillionaire before you hit the downturn and lost it all? Yeah, let's talk about it because there's some important lessons there. And uh, some of the things I might say might be a little controversial, but it comes from my experience so far. So at the time, uh, I was highly leveraged. So it was very easy to borrow money back then before the crash. Uh, you put down very little money to buy a lot of property. And so I did that. I was leveraged up like crazy. I, I started getting into developing properties. I started jumping around to different types of ways of, you know, different techniques of making money in real estate, which I don't recommend. I built a seven bedroom, seven bath house on the beach on spec. I was going to sell it and make millions just on that one sale. I'm sorry to interrupt, but for the people back at home that are comprehending, we'll talk all about leverage in the recap, guys. So stay tuned. Yeah. To the recap. Can you talk a little bit about how leveraged you were? And to someone yeah. who might not know what that means, can you just give a quick definition sure. of what it means? So leverage means that, you know, you could put down 2%, 3%, 5%, maybe nothing down on a property and then leverage everything else. And so uh, it, with the idea that you could hopefully cash flow more than what you were paying on the mortgage. So that's what I was doing. 
I was doing on properties that I had rented, but I was also doing on properties I didn't have rented, properties that were being built, properties that were being developed. And so when everything stopped, I didn't have enough cash flow to cover everything. And that's when everything started to implode. And it imploded for millions of people, not just me. So from that point to this day, I, I have no personal debt. I, I haven't had debt since then. I pay cash for everything. I'm, I'm very much a fan of Dave Ramsey and none of my companies have debt of any kind. And so I, that's taught me a valuable lesson moving forward. But the most important lesson was when you have something, when you have it and you feel like you're successful and you lose it, it makes you question everything about your identity and who you are and thinking, well, you know, who am I now that I'm not successful anymore? And it kind yeah. of also gives you a gift of realizing that you aren't your success. A hundred percent. I think it, there's so much truth to that. Like, I think you could think everything is going right. You could almost have like that God or goddess complex and oh, then yeah. you start to lose it all. You start to question everything. You question literally mm. the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you sit, yeah. uh, let alone the, the business decisions you make. So you're you're highly levered. You, the, the market takes a turn. You lose millions of dollars. And now the IRS is coming for you for 1.3 million. And you know, you got to not only dig your way out, but you got to dig your way out big. Once you're in this hole, what was the first thing you did that got your wheels moving in the right motion to get yourself out of debt and the IRS not at your front door? Well, at a certain point, I ran out of cash that I had saved and I had to go get a job. And actually, that was the worst part of it was of all the things you just listed. The worst thing for me was getting a job because <laughs> I thought I was never going to go back to working for somebody else. I thought I'm done with that. I mean, in fact, I was enjoying the jet set life and I was just like this young kid with a bunch of money. And I had to go get some kind of job and it just sucked. And every day I got up every day and I hated going to my job. And I was like, why am I doing this? I didn't like my coworkers. I wasn't, you know, I look at my paycheck and I was like, that's all I get. Like, I couldn't believe how much they take out in taxes. And it was just a, not a good existence. So that was, that was the roughest part. But when I was in that job, occasionally I had to fly to go to conferences and on a particular flight, I sat down next to this gentleman that was wearing like a $40,000 Rolex and looked very successful. And he was just a very nice guy, started talking to me. And at the time, I was, rent, I was renting out the spare room that I had in my apartment. I was renting a two-bedroom apartment. I rented out the spare room, and I was making money on Airbnb with it, which was no nothing monumental. Uh, but yeah. this was pretty early on in, in the Airbnb phase. And when I was on the plane with him, he started asking me all these questions about my little Airbnb unit and, and how I was making money with it. And I couldn't understand why he wanted to ask me all these questions, because he obviously had a lot of money. After he, he asked me about 20 questions, I said, why, why do you want to know all this? Are you wanting to do this yourself? And he's like, no. No, Brian, I just think that you're sitting on a, something really big here. I was like, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, if you took this and you scaled it up, it could be a big business. And I said, well, yeah, but I can't buy properties. I don't have credit. I don't have money. I, I, I certainly don't want to borrow money again. And he, he looked at me and he said, Brian, it's not about owning. It's about controlling. And if you can control properties, you can create cash flow from as many of these as you want. Control them through leases, control them through partnerships with, with owners. And that one idea of controlling assets is actually what I write about in this book is the idea that you don't have to own assets. You can control other people's assets legally and ethically to generate cash flow. And that's what I did. I went home, immediately started finding properties for rent, putting them on Airbnb. Within six months, I made over $100,000, $300,000 the first year, quit my job, and never looked back. It was the last job I ever had. That led me on the path to where I'm at today. So yeah, that, that was a huge game changer. That's where it kind of started for me. Gotcha. So you turn it around, down 1.3, and you got to get back. And you have this new philosophy that you learned from someone. You don't have to own an asset. You have to be able to control it. I think the biggest takeaway from that entire lesson is especially if you're coming from, let's say, a lower class family or a middle class family, you don't yeah. have this massive capital, right? Yeah. You look at like a Donald Trump. How did Donald Trump become <laughs> a real estate tycoon? Obviously, he made some good plays as it relates to real estate, but he had a huge bankroll to do it and yeah. cash is everything. But if you're back home and you're like, I don't have this cash, that is a philosophy that's never been said on this podcast. That mm. is massive. You mm. don't have to own assets. You have to know how to control them. That goes for everything, right? So this is your Airbnb model. But if you're a financial advisor, you don't have to be the multimillionaire. You got to know how to control them, yeah. right? You're selling something of high value. It could be like a Louis Vuitton purse. It could be a big car. You don't have to be the owner of that enterprise or that, that product. Can you broker it? There's so much to that. Talk about this though, 300K without putting any cash on the table and just controlling it. Define a little bit about this B&B uh, &B formula and what it exactly means when you say you're controlling the property. Okay, so by controlling property, that simply means, now, now, now first of all, you can do this with properties you own. I absolutely uh, am for owning properties. But at the time I couldn't, so I had to, I had to control them. It just simply means that you would get permission from the owners to rent their property and list it on Airbnb, and you get to keep 
all the difference. So if I rent it for a thousand, I put it on Airbnb and it makes 3000, I get to keep the difference. Now, if you partner with an owner, the owner might not be interested in letting you do that, but they might be interested in making more money. So you say, Hey, Mr. Owner, uh, that thousand dollars you normally get from a long-term tenant. What if you could get two grand? I'll do it. I'll manage everything. And we'll just split 50, 50, 50 or 60, 40 or whatever, 80, 20, the difference between what it brings in on Airbnb and what you, what your rent is. So there's many different ways to do it, but you can do that. And it, it literally the minute you get the property, you know, within a few days, you can start generating cash flow. So it's a very fast way to generate cash flow. And, and now I started teaching people and that kind of led me to the next phase of my life, which was understanding that you could own assets, like own properties, own businesses, but you could also control them. Like I controlled other people's properties, but now you can create assets. So creating assets is where I created a course that taught people everything that I knew about Airbnb. I just so happened to be the first person to ever do a course on Airbnb. Within that first six weeks of launching that course, it did over a million dollars in sales you know, tens of millions since then. So that course, that asset that I created still to this day makes money many years later, still makes money. And now I've created digital products, digital book, eBooks, programs, all these things that are online that are hundred percent hands off that generate passive income. So the idea here behind this book is the idea of being a passivepreneur. And a passivepreneur is a person that makes money from assets, whether they own them, control them, or create them from scratch. And the cool thing is, the, 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 the world that we live in now, we're in a creator economy, we're in a sharing economy, we're not just in the old school economy. So the idea here is that there's so many ways now to make money passively because of technology that you couldn't even do 15 or 20 years ago. And Airbnb is just one of them. So I got to stop you for a minute. I heard that you make $10 million plus on your online course. I need a breakdown of, of what that revenue is and, and how are you generating that kind of volume? We've done over 15 million on just the course and our uh, our coaching program, which is primarily what we do now. We found that a lot of people were not getting success with the course because they weren't implementing it. You know, okay. it had everything they needed, but they weren't taking action on it. So we started this process where we take our best students that are doing at least six or seven figures a year. Some of them are doing seven figures a year in Airbnb that have gone through my trainings are now teaching people. So we have a coaching program that they're teaching people how to do what they did. So now we take people really, really fast and accelerate them through getting their first property and scaling and all that kind of stuff. And so that is the, primarily what we do now uh, with BNB Formula is coaching and helping people to do that. And that company, we're on track to be a hundred million dollar company. These are, you know, these are all progressively kind of stacked on each other. And the idea here is that all these different sources of income don't require my direct time. So, you know, the idea here is that I, I don't want to be working 80 hours a week as an entrepreneur to avoid working a 40 hour week job, you know, and, and entrepreneurs are always looking down on people that have jobs like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur, but the average entrepreneur in America right now makes 72,000 a year. So you're not really going to get rich on 72,000 a year, especially if 72,000 is earned working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. And so most people think that entrepreneurship is a, is a path to wealth and it is for some, but it's not the ultimate path. I think the ultimate path is passive income. And that's okay. what I want to focus and, on. And so this is your main thesis, Brian, right? Passive entrepreneur yeah. is that you will get rich, not dedicating your time in exchange for dollars, yeah. but dedicating systems and processes that will be working on themselves yes. and make money generating like a machine, bringing yeah. cash flow while you're out doing other things. So let's just start with this because the course is really important to yeah. me. And I think it's sure. very impressive. Someone hears this. I even hear this and I'm like, how do I sign up? So what is the cost for the course? Where can someone find the course? And then give us a quick synopsis of what the course will teach us. Okay. Well, I would recommend, we have several different paths for people. So I'd recommend if you want, if you're interested in that, just talk to our team. You can go to freebnbcall.com, freebnbcall.com. We have a whole bunch of different options for people. So that'd be the first thing that uh, if, if somebody wants to learn more about that model. But I would suggest that first of all, they start with the book. Because although I love it, it's it's my number one like passive income vehicle. I think people need to understand the philosophy behind it and how it's not just about finding one vehicle. It's about setting up a bunch of these. You want to have a bunch of different sources of income in case one dries up, in case one is not a runaway hit. I mean, I had several sources before I found one that was a runaway hit. So the idea here is you want to have a, a lot of them all working for you, uh, multiple streams of income coming in your life. And so that's kind of what I want to teach people how to do. And that's very different than side hustles. A side hustle, a good example of side hustle would be Uber. You know, if you're not in the car with your ass in the seat, you're not making money because it's a hustle. And there's a lot of hustles out there and a lot of things that are disguised as 
you know, oh, this is a big business opportunity, but it's really just a hustle. And so the 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 number one test to know whether or not something is a side hustle versus truly uh, passive would be if you can scale up the amount of money you make while at the same time decreasing the amount of time involved, that is a passive income vehicle. So it has to be exponential. And the funny thing is that my course is a perfect example. I created the course years ago. I update it every six months or so. But other than that, I haven't touched it. So the amount of time I spend goes down, 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 down continually on the course, but the amount of money continues to rise. So my dollar, dollars per hour invested goes exponential. And that's the idea behind what I teach. I love that testing as a thesis. It's very, very basic. I love basic because if your time deployed decreases, your income increases, you now have passive income. It's a monster, monster play. And it's something that is so important, I think, to building wealth. Talk to me right now. Right now, the the king of Airbnb, the passivepreneur who's out here <laughs> teaching us how to do it. How many forms of passive income do you have right now coming into your bank account, cash inflow? I was just counting them today because I was doing a presentation for it. I have twenty three different 23 sources. Twenty three sources. Okay, twenty three different sources. We're not going to make you make you list all of them, but give me your top three to five sources right now of income. Okay, so I would say one of my top ones, besides if we're not counting Airbnb, number one would be, or one of the top three would be affiliate offers. So this affiliate offers is simply where you're selling somebody else's products or services, and you get a commission or you get a percentage of their sales for offering their products and services to your audience or to your list. So it's almost zero effort. It could be something as simple as, I'm gonna send a few emails that offer people this other thing, and then they either buy it or they don't. When they buy it, I get a check. And it's that it's literally that easy. Now that you need an audience for that, but once you it doesn't have to be a big audience. You can create an email list or do it on a do it on a you know social media or whatever. But the idea of selling someone else's products as an affiliate, I love. Okay. So we're gonna go through your top three forms of passive income today. Uh, your first one you said, other than the Airbnbs, affiliate marketing. What I love about affiliate marketing is you back home, you listening right now. You said you need an audience, but you can have an audience of 100 people. And if you have a link from some type of company and people that are watching you buy that link, they will pay you. And there are great affiliate programs out there, like credit card companies are some of the best. They'll pay you one, 200 bucks per time someone signs up. So affiliate marketing is huge. I got to ask you though, you have yep. a following of 1.3 million on, on social media. If someone like, I'm just putting this out there, like State Farm Insurance comes because they're trying to insurance Airbnb. They say, Brian Page, you're great. We love you. We're going to pay, uh, we're going to cut you a check for a hundred grand to do uh, Instagram marketing. Would you prefer affiliate marketing or that money up front? Well, I mean, that that's like a that's like sponsorships, you know, that's where you're doing sponsored content or your spokesperson. I mean, I haven't really done much of that, honestly, but I mean, really? that's that's another example. No, I've not done that. But uh, but that's a certainly a that could be passive, I guess, if you could have your team do it or somebody else do it. But I would say, you know, mostly what I've done has been affiliate uh, offers. So it's things that are related to what I teach. So let's say somebody's teaching how to flip properties. It's not it's not what I teach, but it's related to real estate. It's related to my audience. I could offer them that course through this person. They buy it and then boom, I get, you know, uh, half the sale. So that's that's a great source. The other one that I love, one of my top five, I would say, would be referrals. Now, referrals are really awesome because literally there's no there's no time involvement. It's where I simply say, like I would say to you, Jason, I have a company that I'm making tremendous money with by offering their services to my my customers. And what they do is they set up uh, LLCs, they do tax consulting, they help people prepare their tax returns at the end of the year, anything anything in the financial world they do. And I don't do that. So all I do is when people say, who do you use for accounting? Who do you use for your companies? I just send them there. And then I, uh, I tell you about it, you send all your people there, and then I get a percentage of all the future business you do with that company forever. And that's just a referral. So it's literally, I just introduce you to this other guy, boom, checks start coming in because you're, I'm now tapping into your network. So this can be done by anybody. It can be somebody that doesn't have an audience. You can just, you know, but you have to know the, the right things. You have to know things that are valuable. Like if I told you about this and I showed how it could actually help your people and you're not actually offering that service, then why wouldn't you offer to that to people? So that's a referral. It's where you, I get paid on any business that comes out of the relationship that I just made happen between you and this other company. So referrals are a great way to make money. And there's literally no time involvement once you set it up. I get checks all the time or you know deposits all the time from companies that I just refer to other companies. I love it. Affiliate marketing, referrals, and give us one more of your passive income streams. All right. Number three. Well, it's sitting right next to you and you already believe in this one. It's a book. (laughs) A book. All right. 
is one of the ultimate passive income vehicles right here, a book. So a book is different. It's very different because it requires a lot of time and effort. As you know, it's not oh, yeah. easy to write a book. Uh, nope. It's not easy to come up with the idea for a book and, and uh, edit a book and all that kind of stuff. But this book is now done. And when this book sells, every time it sells, I make a little royalty. Not going to get rich on that. But inside the book are uh, embedded offers. Now, what embedded offers means, and I actually tell the reader this, okay, I don't hide this. Inside this book, there's all kinds of different things that I suggest that they do to make passive income. And if they do any of those things, guess who gets paid? Me. In fact, there's a QR code right there. And if when you get this book, you scan the QR code. And so anytime you go there and you take an action, guess who gets paid? I do. You do. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm very clear about that. So this book has 10 different streams of income within it, not the book itself. I won't, I'll make way more from what's in the book than the book itself. And this will pay me again and again and again for the next however many years this book sells. It'll always exist. And I only did it the effort one time. So this is a perfect example of passive income vehicle. So what I suggest, you can get the book on Amazon, but I would not suggest going to Amazon because if you go to my site, I'm going to give you a whole bunch of bonuses for the same price. Okay, you're going to buy the book for $26, but you buy it from my website. So go to brian.page slash book, brian.page slash book. And when you get the book, what I'll do is I'll give you an instant uh, audio download. So you can download the first three chapters. It's me narrating the first three chapters in the intro to the book, uh, a PDF of those chapters. And also I'm going to give you uh, access to a, a workshop. It's it's called the Passivepreneur Workshop, where I go into like how to apply this stuff. And you're going to get access to a Facebook group that's full of passivepreneurs like me. So other people that are doing radical things that I, I've never even thought of. But you got to do it through my site, not go into Amazon. Brian, what I love about your model is the transparency. There's so much bullshit out there. You know, there's MLMs, which I don't believe in. But your model of saying, I will teach you how to make money. And guess what? I'm going to make money when you make money. I demonstrate it. That's the thing. And I'm not I'm not hiding it. I'm like, I'm like yeah. you guys go do these things. I'm going to get paid. So, But only buy them if you want to buy them or, or use those services if you want to. But this is how I make passive income. I'm showing you how to do it. And anybody could write a book. I mean, there's a million and one big brands of people you and I all know that have launched their there are companies from books. Books are very, very important still today. Uh, and, and that's part of, you know, it's one of my number one vehicles. I love it. All right. So one of the reasons I started with your crash, that was the first thing we opened up with is this yeah. podcast. losing every penny, owing the IRS 1.3 million is because I want to get to the success story. Now, on an annual basis, top line, and obviously this is not reflective of net. What mm -hmm. are you bringing in on a year now? Well, uh, among all of my different sources, a little over seven figures a week consistently. Seven figures a week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, that's that's uh, that's net. I mean, that's that's not uh, sales. That's that's actual net cash. So th that yes, we're 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 at five five to six seven five to six million a month in sales, and we're we're projected to be over uh, two point five a week in the next. 90 days that's our goal to be at as far as like we're just scaling at this point so okay and i'm leading tremendous because i think what people think is especially back home million dollars a week over but i think people also will assume oh you got hundreds of employees got a manufacturing plant you don't though i know you're based on your infrastructure yeah. you don't so if you're making over a million bucks a week tell me about how many people are operating these businesses Okay. So, well, I mean, I run a very lean team. So I'm in an office right now. I'm the only one in this building that works for my company. Uh, I'm it. I've got a, a independent contractors that work indirectly for me. I've got an amazing coaching team. I have a huge sales team, of course. But no, I don't have a lot of employees. I don't have a big office. My office here is probably 300 square feet. And uh, I keep it very lean. It's It's mostly info. It's also some coaching. So it's high, high margins. And now granted that, you know, not everybody has to be thinking about that. I mean, most people are just looking for a way to be free. You know, like they, you know, if they could make a hundred thousand a year passively, they would jettison the job. They'd have a whole different life. Sure. So I, I, you know, it, it's kind of like when you talk about these numbers, people first of all think you're full of it, and and secondly, they think they they want to discount anything you have to say because it's so far out of their reality. But then, but at the same time, you have kids that are creating you know, social media platforms that are worth billions and they have no profit. And, you know, and you, and you have Elon Musk who's going to be a trillionaire soon. So the idea that, that, you know, money is just so freaking abundant. It just really is. And people will need to get their mind around that. But so it's not so much about what I've done. It's more, I'm more excited to talk about what I've helped other people do. And I've helped lots of other people become millionaires, lots of other people, you know, to make enough money to completely change their life and, and, and to finally just stop doing the crap that they don't want to do anymore the jobs they hate and go in and doing things they don't want to do, maybe even their own business that they would quit tomorrow if they could. 
because so, it's so, stuck in their life. You know, you're also making a huge impact, and that's one of your success stories. The success story is incredible for people out there that are naysayers saying it's mm-hmm. it's over concentrated. It's too many people doing it. There's only too many Airbnbs. Yeah, uh, and by by the way, market's taking a downturn right now. We'll get into some of that. What would your what would your response be to there's just too many people doing it right now? Well, you know, it, it's kind of like when I started flipping properties in my 20s, I started getting into flipping properties. There was nobody doing it. There was there was literally not a single TV show on TV about flipping properties. When even my friends were like, well, flipping is illegal. Like, I was like, it's not illegal. They were like, yeah, it's, it can't be legal. And I was like, it is legal. And then finally, all these shows came out, became mainstream. Now it's like, I mean, nobody's not heard of flipping properties. I mean, and, and, and people are still doing it. And there's a million and one courses and books about how to do it and all that kind of stuff. But yet, is it still a viable business model? It is. Have, have the techniques changed? Yes, they have. There's a lot of things have changed about it, but people are still making money flipping properties. It's still a business. It's still viable. And the same thing is true with short-term rental. Short-term rental, the industry is still growing. It's not in maturity yet. It's still growing at, at an insane clip. And the number of people that are using the services, the number of travelers is actually increasing faster than the number of hosts. So the idea that it's too saturated, no, I mean, it, I don't believe that at all. And I believe you have to be smart about where you list. You got to be, you got to know what kind of property to choose. You got to make sure you're, you're not putting yourself in a position where you're going to lose money. That's one of the things I love about the model. You don't have to buy property, put down a big down payment, buy a property and find out it's not going to work. You can partner with an owner on a month to month basis. There's literally no risk. I could say to you, Hey, Jason, let's list your property tomorrow. And if it doesn't work for either one of us, we'll just part ways in, in 30 days. Let's just try it. And you're like, okay, and we try it and we both make money. I mean, it's literally like that. I'm not signing a lease. I'm not giving you money up front. I'm just showing up at your house, taking photos of your furnished property, putting them on the home sharing sites and off to the races. So so it's one of those things where there's always going to be somebody saying why it can't be done. There's always going to be that kind of thing. But yet I got students every day that are finding properties, listing them and making money. And you, you don't have to do it in your own hometown. You can do it in other states. You can do it in other metro areas. I've got a student that's getting properties in Atlanta and they live out in Phoenix and I'm actually funding some of their deals. I'm writing a check to be a passive investor in some of their deals, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm funding, I, I write a check and then I sit back and collect money. I'm all about making quick adjustments and doing something with instruction that's quick because I think when someone sees an instant return based on a quick action, they get more motivated and they're yeah. more to do it. So let's do that. Right now, anyone listening or here live, you can go find someone who owns a property. This mm-hmm. is one simple instruction. Go talk to them and ask them if you can list their property for rent. Yep. And you can come up with a price point, increase the price point so you can make some off the top. Yep. And then boom, just like that, it can be taken and care of. And remember, they're looking, they're looking for you. They're looking for a tenant. You're just going to give them the best option they have. They're looking at 20, 30, 50 possible tenants. And you go to them and say, Rent it to me because you're going to make more money with me. So people back home, though, where? So that's the easiest instruction from this entire conversation. Yes. Where do they go find these? Where do they go to say like, OK, I'm going to go call right now. How am I going to find out who is looking for a tenant? Well, if you work with us, we'll we'll help you just find the properties. That's what we do in our program. We, we can actually give you the leads in your own area to go find the properties. We'll instruct you on how to do that. We'll teach you on how to pitch the owners to get guesses from them. We'll actually... We'll help you build out an entire online presence with it, uh, an entire online brand. So when somebody searches for Jason in Des Moines, they're going to say, wow, this guy's legit. He's got a whole website. He's got all this stuff. He's got a, videos I can watch about explaining the, the business process. We do everything like turnkey for people. That's kind of part of what we do to help them launch a real business. And then most importantly is to automate it. And believe me, when you get a few of these properties going, it can turn into a job. So you have to figure out how to get yourself out of the day-to-day operation. So it becomes passive. I love it. Easiest place to start, guys, go to Brian Page's website. Brian, I got to get your take on the real estate market in general, right? We know yeah. interest rates right now, 30-year fixed average are around 7%. U.S. homes sold are down year over year. Ooh. We know that supply is up. So all indicators are showing the housing market in general is struggling. What's your take? And if you have the crystal ball, what do you predict will happen? Okay, it's it sounds very familiar to what happened in 08. <laughs> you know, I, I can't predict any more than anyone else can predict, but I can tell you what always happens is cycles don't change. So every day, night will follow. You can guarantee until the end of time, there will always be night after day and after, after day is night again. Every winter, there will be a spring. Every summer, there'll be a fall. It never changes. And the same thing is true with, with almost all asset classes. And, uh, and and financial realities are that, that there's always going to be new seasons. So the idea to think that 
good times are going to be here forever. That's just, that's just not going to happen. And the idea that if we have a major crash, that that's the end of it is also not true because the opportunity will also again, follow crisis. It's opportunity, crisis, opportunity, crisis all the time. So I believe we could be near another crisis. It could be way bigger than real estate. I mean, I personally believe it'll be everywhere. It'll be a dollar crisis. It'll be a financial crisis. It'll be something much, much bigger. But I can't predict if, if or when that'll happen. All I can tell you is I'm prepared. I've gone through it one time and I'm not I'm not going to lose again, going through it again. So I think that's why I'm, I'm very debt averse. And I, I believe you should put your money in lots of different asset classes. You should asset allocate and not just be in one asset class. Because last time I was just in real estate, so I lost everything in real estate. Had I just diversified in a couple other places, I would have been fine. Uh, so I learned that lesson. So I think I think the only thing people can can know is that it will get worse at some point, could get very worse uh, and be prepared for it. Don't be surprised for it. Just get get ready for winter. All right. So we got the clip right here. Brian Page says crisis is coming. I think one of the cool things, Brian, about your entire philosophy and your business model is that if crisis is coming, like you said, you don't have debt on the table. The banks aren't coming back to you. The IRS is not asking you for that one million plus dollars because yeah you turned everything up. So then I got to ask you, this is the final question I got for you before we go into your trading secret. You're sure. grossing right now seven figures a week. Mm -hmm. What is the ultimate plan? Is the plan to be in a position where you have so much passive income, you never have to work an hour? Do you have like a main goal, main strategy based on what you're doing? What does it look like? Well, that's a good question. I've actually been reducing my hours worked worked uh, every year. I've been trying to reduce. In fact, I want to get down to about 15 hours a week in the office or whatever, you know, spent on these vehicles. I mean, I could stop now. Honestly, what what takes any of my time is is starting something new, like launching a new passive income vehicle. But I think what I want to do now is I want to focus more on lifestyle, more time with my family, really, really uh, kind of going back to where I was years ago, where I could just do whatever I want all day. And I'm not spending too much time thinking about business. And then I also want to probably uh, either sell my company one day or take it public, which would be kind of the ultimate play. And uh, I think that would probably be the biggest financial move I could make. And at that point, uh, I don't know what I would do next, but I, I would I would probably spend a lot less time trying to make more money and mm -hmm. being on that trap and treadmill of more, 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 because it's always a, there's always a trap. You know, the, yep. the, the, the billionaire just wishes he was a multi-billionaire. You know, it's it's yeah. always there's always When's somebody enough, with more. One's enough. It's always. Yeah. And, it, and it's and the idea is not to just stop and then lay, kick back and be lazy and do nothing the rest of your life. That's not the idea. But there are just a lot of other things that take time that I would like to do with my life. And so I think that's uh, one of the big ones I wanted to check off was writing the book. And, and so that was a big thing for me to do. It's brilliant. I'm big on the philosophy of bettering your health and building your wealth. This passive income strategy is clearly one that'll help you get there. Brian, we got to leave with one trading secret, something someone couldn't find in a classroom, reading a textbook, or be taught by anyone other than Brian Page. What is your trading secret you can leave us with? All right. My trading secret would be that circumstances uh, will be out of your control, but you and what you learn and the thoughts you think and the books you read and the beliefs that you have, they are all in your control. You can control you and that's all you can control. So spend all of your effort, all of your time improving yourself, working on yourself and let everything else go. Take control of what you can because life will throw you a lot of uncontrollables. Brian, thank you so much for coming on Training Secrets and sharing all your insight. One more time, where can people find the book, your courses and everything you have going on? Absolutely. Go to brian.page slash book. There's information there about my book and about me and get all those bonuses I talked about for ordering one copy. And then if you want to learn more about Airbnb and talk to our team, go to freebnbcall.com. That's freebnbcall.com. I love it. Guys, we're going to buy five books. Go to the reviews. Give us five stars. Put your Instagram handle and we are going to give five of his books out to you guys. Thank you so much, Brian, for coming on. We appreciate your time and congratulations on all your success. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate it. Ding, ding, ding. We are closing in the bell to the Brian Page episode. I hope you guys had your pens and papers out. If not, maybe you threw a couple notes in the notes app. This was a jam-packed one. And this is one that can make anybody well off regardless of what your background is. I just want to throw one statistic out there. Uh, accommodation rates over the past three years for Hilton, the price points have increased by 7.8%. Marriott, 12.8%. Airbnb, 
Over the past three years, accommodation rates have increased 36%. Airbnb has reported nearly $2 billion in profit in the last year. The largest contributor to the financial gain has been an increase in rates. The average daily rate of an Airbnb rental is 36% higher than it was in 2019, while other hotels, like we said, Marriott and Hilton, have only increased by 12.8% and 7.8%. The numbers are there. The proof is in the pudding. We're talking all things real estate and Airbnb. Curious Canadian, I know you got to be buzzing. What are you thinking? You're coming with numbers. I'm coming with numbers. Seven figures a week, net cash this guy. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? This, <laughs> this guy, he might be one of the most wealthy guys we've ever had on the podcast, period. It's insane. Seven I mean, figures it, it, a week net cash. When he said that, your jaw, I saw the video, your jaw, you almost spat out your coffee. You weren't even drinking any. Well, it's insane. You just don't hear this. You're just like, wait, what? What? And then the other thing too with this is it's like, it's actually legit. Like it's not some bullshit scheme. Because most times when you hear money like that, you're like, okay, this is bullshit. This is a fraud scheme. No, this is legit, which is wild. I just, there was, a, he said a sentence at the start. By the way, the first five minutes hooked me. This guy had me hook, line, and sinker. Um, <laughs> when he said, yeah, I was when I was 20, I decided I wanted to become a millionaire. That kind of resonated with me because it was like, is that really a choice? Do we all have that option? I feel like we feel like we don't and we're just stuck in the grind. But he said he was, he was just going to decide to be, was, lost it all. And then the one line I'll say, he goes, I saw, I was driving, I had to, my BMW got repossessed by the bank. I'm driving an $1,800 Buick Sabre, and I see a homeless guy, and I say, wow, that guy's a million dollars richer than me when he owed $1.3 million to the IRS. Just that story, I was like, <laughs> I am hooked. This guy's got me into it right now. Wake up call. Let's actually touch on that for a second. Yeah. Do you believe that you can decide to be something? Like, I can decide to be a millionaire. I can decide to be healthy. I can decide to be this. Do you agree with that statement? 100% wholeheartedly, yes, I do. I agree with it too. I think because when you decide, you say, I'm going to make the sacrifice. I'm going to make the change. Not today, not tomorrow, not mm -hmm. three days, but for the entirety of the future, I'm making a life decision. And I think there's something to that. I'm also going to follow it up with, it's not going to be easy to do any of those things, but can, it's you, be hell. can you do it? Absolutely. You, we know the best. I can turn it on and get healthy as as an ox as soon as possible. As and, an Brian, and Brian Page just proved you can get rich. He got rich. He was a millionaire and then he lost 1.3 and then he got 500x rich what he probably thought he ever was going to do. And my God, like you said, I hope you have pen and paper because this was uh, about five episodes worth of knowledge. And I want to say tangible take home. I even thought I was like, I could do this. I could do this. I could control some properties for sure. And I think to anyone out there, if it's not the property game, it's just a change you want to make change in the short term excuse my language, fucking sucks. Yeah. It sucks, right? I'm in the process now of doing this. I found out my LDL cholesterol is a little high. I made massive changes for my what I eat. It's a joke. I've lost 15 pounds. It's, that's probably an issue. But I think what I've realized is that first two to four weeks, it's hell. It's torture. The discipline it requires is next level. But now I'm on like month three. I've never felt better in my life. So short-term sucks, long-term You'll get the return. What else you got? You don't want to. We won't get into my. Jay made me get blood work. First oh, time getting blood oh, work. Te we'll tease this. We'll tease this. I forced David to get blood work because he is going to be a father. David, I hope you don't mind them saying this. No. Let's just say as of recently has not been uh, exercising at all. Correct. And has been eating like pure hell, like my dream, like fast food every night. Got his blood work back. Picture fucking perfect. <laughs> Yeah. Some things, family history, uh, you know, can't erase. <laughs> can't, can't erase. It was, I, I feel blessed right now. First doctor's appointment in 15 years and, and uh, the boys were just jaw on the floor. Oh, like my jaw on the floor when I found out he makes seven figures uh, uh, net cash in, in, every week, Brian Page. So yeah, that was a good moment for me. So you can get healthy. Now I just got to get the rich part down. Exactly. Let's get to the rich part. But yeah. before we do for our listeners out there, if you guys want us to do a health episode, the mm. numbers behind health, like us sharing our blood work, us sharing when we go to the doctor's appointment, how much it costs, health insurance, anything health related, give us five stars in the reviews and just say, I need a health podcast, but make sure to give us five stars. David, let's get back to Brian. Yes. Page. Passive income. And um, I used to do a, a, remember I used to have the, well, I still kind of do the uh, side business for health. Yeah. Loss. You had something going. You didn't do that. 
Well, well, well didn't you yeah, like? Had something going. I remember in like college, didn't you get stuck in like an MLM or something? Yes, I wanted to bring that up. Nice little segue there. <laughs> so you brought up MLM. Tell me Can you about tell the that. people at home what MLM stands for? So I'll do it if you could tell me what you think it stands for. It's uh, multi-level marketing, right? Oh, if you fuck, geez, you know what? I'm sick of turning the coin back on the curious <laughs> Canadian, the guy who's not supposed to know shit and he knows everything. Multi-level marketing. I, I got Essentially, it's swindled. like a, it's swindled. network marketing or a pyramid scheme. Pyramid sc- I tell me, let's just quickly touch on what did you get sucked into? I was called ACN was the company. Okay. It's a pyramid scheme in the purest form. Uh, my job was to go and get people to turn their everyday bills over through the ACN billing process. So your phone bill, your car bill, your utility bill, and then I would get commission off of the bill that you're already paying. So basically switching your Verizon bill to go directly through ACN, which sounded great. And I paid $500 to be a part of it. And then I was asking my parents to switch their bills over and felt awkward. And that was it. I was, I was done. It's, it's well, So here's the thing. Usually, usually with multi-level marketing, that $500 you pay is what the guys or girls on top of the pyramid get paid. And then if you are able to recruit other people that come in, they'll make their money off that phone bill bullshit. But that's a facade. The real Correct. money is made in this $500 initiation fee. And so <clears throat> there are a ton of MLMs out there. There's, uh, you know, Avon's a really big one. Mm-hmm. Um, Young Living, New Skin, Mary Kay. And I think people should just in general make sure you really know what you're getting into. And when you hear the things like you're going to get rich today and, you know, there's zero liabilities tied to this stuff and, you know, just sign here, press, give us your down payment and you'll be rich in 10 years, whatever it is. A lot of it's bullshit. If anything sounds too good to be true, it is. And if it's something you decide to do, which I would highly recommend you don't, um, pay attention to every single penny and really look into this to say, is this ethical? Is there fraud happening here? And is this even worth my time? Because who's really making the money? I think the biggest thing is like, if you feel skeevy, like if you feel like you're not like really passionate or happy about what you're trying to sell or anything like that, don't do it. Like just, don't, there's other ways. There's other other things out here that you can get behind that you feel good about. So quickly, because I don't want to lose topic of the conversation, but when was the point that you realized the MLM you were involved in? You're like, I got to get out of this. This is a mess. The first, I was like, hey, well, if I'm going to do this, my family will support me. So I'm going to go to them first to try and like start the process. And as I'm doing this, I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I trying yeah. to like, like when just, you're asking mom and dad to pay 500 or whatever yeah. switch. And then you're just like, wait, I paid the 500. And then I was like, Hey, so the first thing I need to do is like, you got to switch this and this and this over through this company. And they're like, what, why? Like, why am I doing this? It's totally fine. I'm not really saving any money doing it. And I was like, you just got to trust me. It's like, so why I can make, you know, 6% off, you know, it was just, it was just, wasn't, it just was skeevy. And then you're calling these random family members to try and like, trust the, trust me, trust me, just switch this over. It's like, but they're, they're not getting any thing is they're not getting really any benefit out of it. Now, I think that I do something else that it's not a pyramid scheme at all because there's okay. an actual product being involved and touch. Well, real quick yeah. clarification, you're out of that. Oh, you're done. That you're lasted, never going back. That lasted yeah. like Cause I just, two the, weeks. you just said present tense, like something else. I know that that's gone. It's been gone for years. years right? 2012, right when I graduated college. Okay. Yeah. Way behind you. All right. Yeah. So talk to me yeah. now what you got going. So I, um, I like to call it an ambassador, but okay. I sell like supplements and protein powders and workout stuff that I take myself in my everyday life. ID life is the company. It's personalized and customized nutrition. And I use it all the time. They have sleep aids, they have protein powders, they have pre-workouts, they have a ton of stuff. And so I get basically commissions for anyone that goes to my website and buys my stuff. So what's that? So you, so that's, that seems based on the the little I have right here is more of affiliate marketing. You're aligned with a company. You have a store of of products that they carry and you make a small percentage, I'm sure, of whatever products that you sell. So it's commission-based tied directly to inventory turnover. And that seems much more like affiliate marketing where people out there, if you're seeing influencers like go to my Amazon store or buy this shirt I'm wearing, and there's either two ways they're paid. They're paid in like big cash up front to do it. 
or they're paid maybe cash and equity, or especially micro influencers like smaller ones are just paid based on how many units they sell. That's more affiliate marketing, which is you know extremely ethical, extremely like um, w- you know looked upon in a, in a high light, and it's a it's a good way to make a couple bucks. It's actually shocking sometimes because when I do my health coaching and people want to use some of the products and then I don't work with them anymore and they're sustaining a healthy lifestyle, they're continuing to buy the protein powders and they're continuing to buy all these things that they really liked, uh, electrolytes and things like that. And every month I get an email, so-and-so purchased, you have, you know, $45 or whatever it is, right? So it's, I can see what he's talking about in these things about passive uh, income over a passive preneur, he called, instead of an entrepreneur, um, really, really stuck out to me. He said, if you're an entrepreneur and making 72K is the average American entrepreneur, but you're working 68 to 80 hours is not a good way to get rich. Um, have to do something where you can make more money by doing less. Um, affiliate like marketing that. is the biggest one that he talked about. So another thing that he talked about um, that I wanted to touch on was the leverage. You wanted me to bring it mm-hmm. up, he said in the episode. It's how he got into trouble, um, but then also was was his, you know, in his solution in, in helping him get and sustain being rich. Talk about leverage and how it can work for you, but in his case, also how it can work against you. Okay. So when I was a commercial banker and I would lend money to companies, we would give them money so that they can grow. Companies need money. They need debt to get larger, right? So we would have to analyze their financials to look at a leverage ratio. It's called debt to EBITDA. There's a million different ways you can look at leverage, but we'd be looking at the total debt that we're providing and it gets very granular. Like there could be senior debt and total debt. It gets very specific. I'll stay high level. We just looked at the total debt of a company in in an annual basis and care compare it to their earnings before interest, uh, tax depreciation, amortization, which is EBITDA in an annual basis. And you do a ratio. And and, and high level for banks, they don't really want to see a company have more than three times debt to their earnings, right? If they do, they're over leveraged. If they're over leveraged, the likelihood of them not being able to pay their debt back becomes much more risky. So take that business stuff and bring it to your life. There's something called the debt to income ratio. And when banks lend to you, everyone back at home, they lend to you, they want to see that number be less than 36% for the most part, at least the bank that I was at. So how do you know your debt to income ratio? What you do is you add up your monthly bills. So think about either your rent or your house payment. Maybe you have child support payments. Maybe there's auto loans or other monthly loan, personal loans or student loans. There's credit card monthly payments. Any other debt you have, you want to understand what that number is on a, on a monthly basis. Now, I'll put this out there. Typically, like grocery uh, groceries or gas or utilities, taxes not included. This is really focused on your monthly debts. Fixed. And then you'll divide... Yeah, you'll divide your total monthly debts. Well, credit card debt obviously fluctuates, mm-hmm. so it's not as fixed. But you'll divide your total gross monthly income, which is your income before taxes. Everyone knows gross income. And then you'll have the ratio of what your debt is to your total gross income. And that percentage, you want to be less than 36%. The lower that percentage is, the less risky you are and the less leverage you have. Because if you have too much leverage, whether you're a company or an individual, the risk of you defaulting, the risk of you not paying back, the risk of you being Brian Page before where he is today increases dramatically. And he said right after that, when he started becoming a real millionaire again, He said, I have no debt, my company has no debts, and I cannot be leveraged. One other thing that he said was he pays cash for everything now. Now, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not Brian Page, but you're still trying to make the right decisions like I am every day, I'm always sometimes stuck at the register and saying, should I pay cash for this or should I put cards for this? Because points, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Can you give a tip to anybody at home listening that says, hey, this is when I think you should or it's beneficial to pay cash for, and this is when you should charge it on your card? Because- I think that's something that is just confusing, to be honest. I think like this goes back to Dave Ramsey, right? He always says, use cash, use cash. Why does he say that? He says that because statistics prove that Americans don't have the ability to use credit cards and do it correctly, right? So if you are an American that can do that, or a Canadian, or whoever's listening to this <laughs> podcast, we're, we're, we've hit over 100 countries here. Gotta love it. But if you know how to manage how you spend in your budget, 
always use a credit card because every time you swipe, you're getting a benefit of points back. But if you find that you're not the best at managing a budget, if you do tend to swipe too much impulsively, you're not tracking the numbers, that's when cash makes more sense because you can control it and you know you're not going to debt. So if you're aware of what you're doing, you're good at it, take advantage of the people that aren't by using a credit card. If not, consider using more of a Dave Ramsey model with cash. So just have good self-assessment of where you're at and your abilities to track all these things. Do you own or, or should I say control any Airbnb properties? Um, there's some stuff on the horizon. Oh. I haven't taught. I don't control any. Okay. There's some stuff on the horizon. Oh. I can't talk about it yet. Okay. Uh, it's tied to some media TV stuff. So Ooh, more to come on that. Spicy, more to come, Jason. a full episode on that. But I'm very interested in the, that market. Yeah. Okay. Okay, good. Well, if I was teaser. if I was ever interested or thinking to do it, Brian Page definitely would have pushed me over the edge to do it. Um, it seems like something like you said, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take, you don't have to own them. So don't worry about having the capital. Just apply your knowledge and your time and your effort, control some properties, make some bank. A great episode with Brian Page, and I want to ask you, Money Mafia, back home. This was a little bit different, right? This was a little bit more educational, more specific of things that you could do, as opposed to a lot of the pay transparency and career navigation we get from some of the big pop culture stars. What we're thinking about is mixing stuff like this in more, but not getting away from our bread and butter. But it doesn't matter what we think. What matters is what you think. Please go to Apple, give us five stars, and let us know what you think. Should we mix this in more often, once a month, every other week? Or do we just stay with the pop culture stars and pay, pay transparency and career navigation? You tell us. Make sure you go follow us on YouTube. We now have it. This whole recap will be up there. Get to see behind the scenes. Make sure you follow our Instagram page, Trading Secrets Podcast. We have a weekly newsletter that comes out and an all-access networking group. Just email us. Jason at tradingsecrets.com. No, it's not. Wow. Need more <laughs> coffee today. It's tradingsecrets at jasontardic.com. It is tradingsecrets at jasontardic.com. I'm two coffees deep. I'm going to go get a third. David, anything before we wrap? Uh, next time we recap, I'm probably going to have a son. Uh, so that's really <gasps> exciting. Let's fucking go, baby. Yes, we're there. Wow. We're, fourth, we're fourth in inches. This so. This is the last podcast David will record without being a father. I think so. Everyone, if you want to go, if you, let me give you a little plug, David. If you want to go buy David's nutritional supplements, <laughs> it sounds like they're pretty good. They are great. Or you want to just congratulate him on being a father. David, what is your handle on Instagram? At David Arduin, A-R-D-U-I-N. That was very nice of you. At David Arduin. I think if you get like, how many followers do you have? Uh, almost 4,000. I think if we get you over 5,000 followers, if the Money Mafia can come through and go follow you, we insane. should... You should you should take on the challenge that you will change your handle to the Curious Canadian. Oh. Will you take it on? Potentially. Potentially. All right. Get him over 5,000 <laughs> followers and we'll have the Curious Canadian on Instagram. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Trading Secrets. One hopefully you couldn't afford to miss. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.